Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 74 with our guest, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today has been helping small, medium, and large businesses improve on, get this, minimal budgets for over 13 years. How cool would that be? A graduate of Baruch College Zicklin School of Business in New York, Esty Rand is also a certified professional coach. After spending many years in the nonprofit industry, she founded Strand Consulting to bring her skills of doing more with less. Let me say that again. Doing more with less. That is certainly something I want to know all about. She brings that to small business owners. Esty now enjoys every minute of her work, helping others reach their earning potential, maximizing themselves, their time, and of course, their profits. Her first foray into the business world was at the ripe old age of 10. I promise you there's a lot to learn here. Help me welcome Esty Rand. How are you, Esty? I am great. How are you, Josh? I'm very well. So like I said, before we even hit record, we were talking, uh, which time flew very quickly for, for 30 minutes or so, and I felt like that there's a lot here. So let's get, let's get right into this. The, the one part of this introduction that sticks out is the fact that it says you now enjoy every minute of your work. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that something we can all aspire to? How, did, how does that happen? What does it feel like? How do we get there? So I feel like a solar panel, right? I'll, like, I'll wake up in the morning kind of tired, and then I charge from my day. I happen to also really like sun, which is why I'm in LA. But I, I feed off my work. I really love what I do. I started it from a place of passion, I started it when I was still living in Jerusalem and I was, it was after the 2008 recession and I was just watching all these people try to pull something together, try to like be a seller on Etsy or do massage or sell cupcakes or like just figure something out because jobs were scarce, incomes had gone down. And I was watching them put these ads out in the local weeklies or like hear them sitting in cafes going, I'm going to sell cupcakes for like a dollar. I think it's going to be so much fun. And I'm like, ah, like, you know, nothing. 
and it would make me happy. <laughs> you know nothing. I'm sorry. Tell me, tell me about that. Why, <laughs> why is there so so somebody sitting, because on paper it seems like they're they're doing it. They're passionate, they're they're planned, they're prepared. What's missing? They don't know business. They don't understand business. They don't understand. There's like three key elements to every successful business. Okay. They're again, in addition to the whole passion strategy part. Yeah. But like the three things oh, yeah, that too, right. stands on, in addition to like, you know, those little things, but the three key things that business stands on, which is financials, marketing, and systems, right? It's gotta be profitable. Right. That's the financial part. There's, there's gotta be actual money here. It's not a business. It's a hobby. Have fun. But if there isn't real profit, this is not a business. Um, there's marketing which is the sales element, which is how you create and communicate value for your audience. What are you selling? Who are you selling it to? How are you selling it? Why do they care? How does it work? That entire piece has to be there. And then systems, there's got to be a systematic way you do things. Otherwise, again, it's just a haphazard hobby that might make money. Without just, those pieces, you don't have a business. But I just want to sell cupcakes. Right, so have fun. You'll be a dabbler. You won't be a business. You may occasionally sell a cupcake. Okay. Is that a business? No, it, 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 it is. It is, it is a, a business entity. It's not a professional business that I'll qualify that it is a business. Cause I believe business is an exchange of value for value. So anytime you're exchanging value for value, you have a business exchange and you can call it a business, but a professional business has a consistency. That is the hallmark of professionalism. Mm. And I love that because there's such a clear differentiator where we've all been there at some point, right? You were not in business. And then you have to figure out how to get in business. And you're saying only until those pieces are in place, does that exist? And not necessarily you executing on all them yourself, right? So how do you make the transition? Either you're doing all those things and connecting that in place or surrounding yourself with the proper people to allow that to happen. Right. And it really depends on the business. That's the truth. I gave a whole talk at a conference last year. Um, it was like a, I don't remember what they called it, level next or whatever. And it was basically how to, five ways to scale a business, but two of them did not include hiring and staffing. I don't believe that you have to staff, especially not today when there are so many freelancer marketplaces and you can get so many things done and not even including a VA. You could really scale today even just as one person. Now, you'll work way harder. I don't recommend it. But if you absolutely hate managing people and you're super stinky at it and you still want money and you want to do what you love, you can create a business. It, it will have a ceiling, right? There will be a certain max it can get to, but it can be stable. It can be professional and it could be an easy six-figure profit too. You're going to have a very hard time getting beyond that. I have found that it's a, a one-man band cannot move beyond six figures. No, they did. I've never seen one. I've never seen one. I've seen, I, I can show you how to get there to six figures as a one-man band. I have not ever seen a model yet that one person can get to seven and beyond. Mm. Now, I love the part of your, your thing here where you help businesses improve on minimal budgets. Does that also um, relate to doing less with more? Tell us exactly how, what that means, maybe through example. Sure. So for me, my core brand is I want to give people more for less, right? So they, should, they can do less and get more. It's like kind of that play on, where this one, my tagline is more money, less headache, right? It's a representation of that concept. Wow. And part of my passion coming into this was so many people, when they have the talent and the drive and they're just missing the skill, but they cannot afford the big companies or the really high-end professional help. And, but 
the, if they could just get the information and the help, they really would succeed. I want to help them. I want them to pay me less and I want them to earn more money. So all of our strategies, in addition to how we work with our clients, the strategies we teach them is how do you spend less, earn more? How do you turn your marketing into an ATM machine that for every dollar you spend on it, it hands you 10, right? Like what's my marketing budget be? I'm like, listen, I'll tell you this conventionalism, it's 10% of revenue. But if every time you spend a dollar on marketing, it hands you 10, like Josh, listen, I'm going to hang out with you. And while we hang out, every time you hand me a dollar, I'll hand you a 10. Josh, do you have a budget for dollars you're going to hand me? Not quite. No. Why would you? Why would you have a marketing budget if you do your marketing right? You wouldn't. You would keep spending money as long as it keeps handing you money. And as long as you learn the tricks and how real marketing works, you can do that instead of spending 10 and hoping to get back one, which is what average people do. So I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. So one example that we do is we'll analyze the business's best promotional strategies. Yeah. So um, I always say, again, when it's a small business, you work from the place of the owner's strength, always, always, um, until it gets a little bit bigger. And so let's say I meet someone and they're a great networker, fantastic networker, and they are sinking money into magazine advertising. I'm like, why? <laughs> I'm gonna, listen, I know your time is money. Your time is money for sure. But what I can teach you to do, if you're a good networker and I can up your skills just a little bit, what I can teach you to do in five hours of networking with a $0 expense can earn you 15 times what those ads were earning and you never spend a dime. So it's that kind of a focus that I think makes the difference. How do you define marketing, right? Because it has so many different iterations, I think, to the context and to how people accept it. For sure. So what I've created, actually, the way I teach marketing um, in my Marketing Magic course, it is a complete picture of marketing and marketing and branding and how they interface. So the definition that I created, but again, based on, I have a degree in marketing. So it's, there's foundational information here and a ton of continuing education. Marketing is the creation and communication of value of your product or service to your target audience to convince them to buy. So it's a really long sentence. There's four key elements, create, convince, target, and, um, that wait, no, 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 no. Marketing is the creation and communication of value. Ah, sorry. Create, communicate, <laughs> target, and convince. Those are the four elements. Marketing creates value. Okay, so pricing is a function of marketing. How you price things at, a, at its baseline level, right, is cost-based. And please don't sell things for less than it costs you to sell them, whether it is your time or an actual physical thing, and that's the whole teaching in and of itself. And everything else about price is marketing. It's how it creates value for people. You buy something expensive, your initial thought is that it's better. It's just how we operate. Marketing is, mo I read psychology books for fun. To me, they're all marketing books. I love it. Um, so marketing creates value for people. The presentation, you know, one of my staff actually, this is a great story. One of my staff said to me, she went shopping for dresses for her kids, right? She wanted to get them there having, I don't know, if someone's getting married. They went to look for like these fancy dresses for the kids. And so she went to one store and it was like, she said, it was just like cluttered and they had all this different stuff. And she saw a dress, but it like, I don't know, she was like, it was like a hundred dollars. I thought that was a lot for a kid's dress. I didn't want to spend so much. And she's like, I just left. She said, two days later, I went to this other store, like very posh, upscale. So I wasn't finding anything in the cheaper stores. And I found this dress and it was like 130, but I was like, you know what? I'm not seeing things for less. This is a really good store. I bought it. She said, I came home. My sister saw me. She's like, hey, wasn't that the dress you were looking at in the other store for a hundred? It was unrecognizable. 
but it was unrecognizable because through their marketing, that posh store had created value where she paid more for the same thing that she wasn't willing to pay less for in the other store, same dress. And she didn't even realize. She's like, Esty, this is exactly what you teach. <laughs> She's like, I had to tell you the story because I know you talk about this all day. She's on my team. She's been listening to me for a long time. So that is what marketing does. It creates value and then it communicates it to you. So you're actually, what I just picked up on there is you're actually a case study, a living, working example for what you do, right? Through your own marketing. Talk on that. For sure. So I built my company to six figures with zero in ad spend. Um, I built it mostly by networking, by speaking. I do a lot of what you might call content marketing, but again, just sharing knowledge, sharing content, always trying to add value because I'm coming from a place where I just want everyone to do what they love and earn bombs of money doing it. Like that, that's all I want. I'll sign up. Yeah. That, that is all I want. I want everyone to do what they love and earn bombs of money doing it and have a good life. Like I always teach it as a, as a, Oh yeah, like that. rules of threes, right? Yeah. So like when we do goal setting with our clients, there's also a three pyramid there, right? So there's the money, there's the service, and there's the lifestyle. And I don't believe that lifestyle business is a dirty word. I believe that lifestyle business is a goal for everybody. I love Some it. Some people look at it like, oh, lifestyle business, not a real business. I'm like, oh really? What's a real business? It's a real business where you spend seven years absolutely destroying your health, all of your relationships, um, not having even a second to breathe, think about anything. And at the end of it, you're sitting on a few million dollars most of which is going to go in divorce lawyers and divorce settlements, therapy for your kids, um, healthcare for yourself, and Maserati because obviously you're miserable. Is that a real business? I don't think so. Somebody who speaks as quickly as I do. I love it. I think we're going to get in double the content in the same amount of time here if you were doing a per word trans transcription. So um, if you're not watching the video here, uh, take me on my word that right over Esty's shoulder, she has. I don't know. I described it as like a little bonsai tree. It's that kind of visual, but it's not a bonsai tree. It is apparently some sort of money tree. Tell me what's going on there. I, I love mean, this topic. It's a bonsai tree because it is tiny. I, don't, I, don't, I know very little about plants. In general, I have a black thumb. I'm good with kids, um, but I'm terrible with plants. Like you hand mm -hmm. me a plant and it, it doesn't often live very long. Um, but this one's been doing really well for almost a year. It's a, I think it's like a Korean money tree or something. Now, again, I don't live in La La Land where I think trees really grow money, right? Um, but I do believe in law of attraction. And so that which you think about, that which you create a space for in your life, by, by feeling and believing so strongly that it's almost already there, you bring that into your life. And so I will say I've seen a lot of success since I got my money tree, not because I think it's magic, because I think whenever I see it, I think about money and abundance and success. And so it takes my focus there and it brings that into my life and my business. I love this because um, money, everybody can relate to. People either love, dislove, attract, detract, and there's all this kind of struggle, right? Even the people who attract money, they could be ridden with guilt and shame and embarrassment and unworthiness, and then there's the opposite, and people are struggling. Oh, why can't I? Where do you fit on that emotional scale with, what money is and how it flows into your life. So I'll tell you for the longest time, up until really not that long ago, I only ever had my sights set on earning enough for my business that it would feel like a salary. That was like my goal. It was like, if I could turn my business into the equivalent of a salary, I'll be happy. 
Now, salary in LA is, you know, well above six figures. So I wasn't like, <laughs> we weren't talking like 50K salary. It was a very right. decent salary that I was aiming for. One that I felt that if I ever had to shut down the business and get a job, I could easily command having um, already done C-level positions. But that was kind of my, my mindset. And I will tell you, I never crossed that ceiling. As long as that was my mindset, it never changed, right? My monthly income was always thereabouts what I would have expected from a monthly salary. And then not that long ago, maybe just a couple of months, honestly, I hit this moment where I'm like, why? Why would I only want my business to earn me a salary? Why? And, and it was the point where the business had hit that stable place, you know, where we're doing well. And I'm like, cause I, cause I hit that and I'm like, okay, I'm here. Why would I stay here? Why would I not make this thing really big? And then I have so many things to do with that extra money. Like one of the things I want to do is start a fund where I can, sometimes business owners come to me and I help them get funding. Why, when I believe in a business so strongly that I would really genuinely help them get funding, why would I want not, not want to have my own fund where I could help fund them when I really believe in someone? I want that. Mm. I want to have a whole lot of money to do that. I also have like three, four other business ideas that would use some capital. Why would I not want to do that? And why would I not want to scale and give jobs to more people? Like why am I satisfied with just a salary? And I will tell you, within about a month, my income went 5X because my mindset shifted. Until then, I did not have it in my head that I could or should earn more. I didn't have the purpose for it and I didn't have the possibility for it. So I was blocking myself out of it. I really believe this. And as soon as I opened up to it, it opened up to me. What is, how do you, today, the person you are today, um, are you confident? You come across confident. Is that, is that what I'm picking up on? What am I picking up on? What are the traits of SD Rand here? Uh, confidence is definitely one of them. I will say I'm right until you prove me wrong. <laughs> so, are you? If I say it, I are, believe it. And you're not an only child. I am not an only child. I am an oldest child. Oh, there, light bulb got it. I knew it was going to be one of the two because uh, I know only, only childs, only children have that, you know, it's all me mindset, but you're, yeah. okay, so you're the oldest, which, go ahead. I am an oldest child. I'm definitely an in-charge leader type personality. I always okay. have been. I am an out of the box person. Um, I was always the person like, so when I would go hang out with friends in high school, she talked about someone yesterday, like, and we'd all show up and this is, you know, pre-smartphones before everyone's taking pictures of themselves on their way out to like ask like what outfit they should wear. Um, everyone would show up in black. I'd be wearing jeans. Everyone would show up in jeans. I'd be wearing black. And at one point I'm like, do you coordinate or is there just something in the air that you all tap into that I don't? Um, but I've always been that way. There's always just a, and I don't know why, I don't know how, it just is. That is definitely a part of who I am. And it took me a really long time to own it and to revel in it and to see the benefit of it as opposed to the detriments, right? I spent a very long time frustrated. Why can I not fit in? No matter how hard I try. You too? Go <laughs> on. I've, I've lived all there, but I was the youngest child insecure, needy. So we, I guess, you know, we all have certain traits in common. Totally. And I, I won't say that I wasn't insecure. Definitely always came with a certain level of confidence. Like even though everyone's wearing black and I'm wearing jeans, I still went out with everybody. And I was like, okay, you're wearing black, I'm wearing jeans. Great. <laughs> who, who knew? How'd you that, know? This is just where we landed. You know, I yeah. still remember there was, um, this was like a mind, like 
boom for me in high school, since we're in high school right now for some reason, uh, one of the most popular girls. Um, so like when I was 16, I was sick and tired of being nerdy, if you will, to use like a so 90s word, but I totally felt like a nerd. Like I was definitely of the lower social class of our, of our high school. And, and I woke up at around 16, I'm like, I don't like this. I'm ready to be cool. This is annoying. Like I've watched enough movies. I know what cool looks like. I'm going to be cool. And that's kind of what I did. Um, like that was kind of my first transformation in my own, in my own mind. Um, I started hanging out with the cool kids. And one of the things I always noticed about them is they were always together. They were never alone. Right? I'm not, I wasn't a loner, but I had no problem being by myself somewhere. Right. And this moment in time, I will never forget it. One of the coolest kids in the class who was never seen alone, always with friends, came to me and said, Essie, will you walk, me, walk with me to the cafeteria? I'm hungry. And I'm like, sure. But <laughs> why don't you walk yourself? She's like, I don't go anywhere myself. Uh, <laughs> I, that's why you're never alone. Because if you're alone, you won't go. I get it. I did not until that moment understand. Because for me, if I can't find someone and I'm hungry, I'm going to go to the cafeteria and get food. Because I'm hungry. I don't need people. I need food. Like, what, what's the people part? Oh my God. I love that. Let's go back in time, even, even prior to high school. What was, what was life like growing up for you as a child? Um, so I'll say not awesome. <laughs> we'll just oh, leave it not, like that. Uh, hashtag not, not awesome. Not awesome. It, not right? awesome. I grew up in a house where money was way more important than people. So always feeling um, like I would only ever have what I wanted if I got it myself. Hmm. Um, and again, money being more important than people, money was king. My brother actually said to me once we were discussing it, he's like, Esty, money is air. If you're drowning and you have money, you will live. And he was dead serious. Logical not, but emotionally dead serious. That's the mm. kind of environment I grew up in. Money is king, money is everything. And it's a complete lie, okay? <laughs> like when I had, I still remember one of my first millionaire clients and I remember sitting with him and we were running his books, genuinely a multimillionaire. Okay. I, I ran his numbers. Um, and he was completely miserable. And I remember the shock because until then I'd been working with smaller businesses. He was my first multimillion dollar business. And I was just like, but you have so much money and you're so unhappy. And he was genuinely unhappy. We had to deal with that also. Uh, we do a lot. Cause again, I, I am a certified coach. So I kind of do a blend of coaching consulting. So we, we worked on the misery too. Um, and the Maserati and all that fun stuff. And it was like, it's not that I didn't know it, you know, but when you experience it, it's different. And I'm very grateful that I didn't have to make my million in order to realize that money's not the solution and money's not the answer to everything. It's an asset. If mm. you use it well, it can be tremendously helpful and beneficial to your life. And if you don't, it can be extremely detrimental to your How life. How did you break out from that if you were born and raised with that surrounding set of money is everything? It seems like you took it and left it. <sighs> so I wish I could say I did it myself. I didn't at all. I, I feel like God literally picked me up out of that environment and moved me. <laughs> I um, So when I graduated, I went to a Jewish religious school. I'm Jewish. And a lot, uh, not even a lot, but a, a, a significant portion of my social circle went to Jerusalem for a year to study. Um, and I was like, awesome, free year study abroad where I could do whatever I want without the watchful eye of Brooklyn relatives. I'm in. <laughs> Oh, Brooklyn relatives. 
Exactly. Then everyone breathing down your neck. Who are you hanging out with today? What are you doing now? What are you wearing today? I'm like, listen, foreign country, 6,000 miles away. You're paying. I'm going. Right. And, and I ended up going to this seminary and there's a whole story of how I landed there. It was like the only, there were two that I didn't want to go to. That was one of them. That's exactly where I ended up. Mm. And I, um, I actually learned spiritual truth for the first time in my life. Like I grew up Jewish, but I have to say it was completely hollow for me. Mm. Um, I mean, to be fair, I grew up in an environment where money was more important than people. That's not a spiritual environment whatsoever. So what is the spiritual truth you learned? A God-centered universe where people are more important than anything else. That I would say that's definitely primary. And it was the first time that I was in an environment where I mattered as a human, as who I was. Mm. And it wasn't so important what I wore or what I ate or where I went or any of that. It was like, who are you and what do you need? Right? Because God created you. You are unique. You are special. When I work with business owners, I believe that small business comes from a soul place. That's why I love working in small business. That's why I don't go corporate. Everyone has a unique mission here. We're here for a purpose because if you weren't, then you'd be gone. And anyone who's like, no, no, we just evolved from amoebas. Yeah, okay, you try to turn amoeba into a heart. <laughs> like 300 trillion cells. You really think that happened by accident? It didn't. No one wants to play that game. But I like that, that God-centered consciousness, but with the goal being human-centered focus and benefit, that completely changed my world. I like how you connected soul to all of that. And when we were talking before, one of the things you said almost in passing was that within an hour of speaking with a business owner, you can find the soul of the business. Yeah. It's one, of, it's one of my superpowers. What is that? What does that mean? The soul <laughs> of a business? So how about this? How about can it? I do it to you? Can I do it to you? I'd love nothing more. All right. So tell me why you do what you do. Mm. It is connected to Simon Sinek's I would, the power of why, but it's not quite. You're reading my mind. I was literally after the sip going to say the Simon Sinek question. It's a little bit different. So it starts there, but it goes deeper. So what do you do, right? You're always interviewing other guests. I'm going to interview you for a second. I'm a podcast host also. So <laughs> in addition to having you on my show, yes. um, what do you do and why? So I am the hidden entrepreneur. I spent all of my life in hiding, showing up in every situation in life, in business, in social, hiding my true power, my skill, my ability in exchange for showing up as the person I believed others expected me to be, which really was just perpetuating the story and belief I had of myself from a very young age that I'm not worthy, I'm not valuable, I'm not capable, nobody wants me around. So I inadvertently or vertently, if that's the word, put myself in these situations that would perpetuate that story for me. So I always played it small and showed up in this role that turned out behind closed doors to create a lot of anger, misery, depression, anger, frustration, because I knew what I was capable of, but I had all this fear giving me the excuse to show up and say, no, but I'm not, I can't. And now you're on a mission too? Right, so cut to modern day, current day, I have two adoring children that have wouldn't you know, become my reason and my, my way out. I have a, a, an incredible five-year-old daughter, Danica, 
a, a wonderful three-year-old son, Harrison, who I always give shout outs to, because like I said, they helped mirror for me where I needed to go. You know, little human beings, they show up in the world absolutely perfect and ideal. I always knew I'd love the role of father. I might have even been good at it. Little did I know how much I would embrace it and enjoy it and love it. So in the first part of their life, I was still angry, miserable, showing up, kicking and screaming. And so like, what does the business do? What's up? What does the business do? Right. We didn't get there yet. Okay. So dot, 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 my story. You get it. Blah, blah, blah. I'm I'm better for it. Kids. I love them. Wouldn't you know? Boom. Here I am. So the business um, one-on-one program coaching to help others who secretly know their power, excuse me, who secretly know their power, stop hiding behind fear, show up as themselves and do the work they know they got to be doing. Okay. So there's a movement from hiding to present. That's an element. It's not everything. And the mission of, is it, it's not just finding their true self, it's showing Mm -hmm. their true self. Right, because you always know it. You just, like like me, you ignore it, you put it aside, you turn your back on it, you say, no, no, no. And you want them to live it? What do you want them to do with it once they they can acknowledge it and move beyond the fear? What are they going to do? Utilize it, embrace it, get it out there, um, put it into the world, find, find meaning through it, find passion through it, find income through it, find confidence through it, find love through it. So kind of like from a, taking people from a denial of self to an acceptance of self or a successful self? Yes. Great. That was a short one. <laughs> That's the soul of the business. The soul is moving people from a denial of self to a successful self. Again, if we went longer, we might get a little deeper. Right. And we could dig, dig, dig. And yeah. And we dig again within an hour, right? We did that in like four minutes. Probably Uh, less. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to show you the very shortened version. When you come from that soul place, that becomes your core brand. So your core brand has a movement in it. Mm-hmm. It has an element of self in it. Mm-hmm. And all of those elements need to show up in all of your branding. And then that language will influence all of your marketing communications. And you're going after an audience of people who A, are in a place of self-denial and B, don't want to be. So it starts that core. I talk about it as the seed, right? I teach marketing as a flower. I have an entire um, infographic that I built out that my course is based around. I so love it. Infographics. This DNA. Yes. This, this is the DNA of every marketing strategy, really of every business, but I teach it as the core of marketing strategy. Marketing strategies, really, we do business plans and pitch decks. It's about 90, 85 to 90% of a small business plan is the marketing strategy, the way I do it. So that's the seed. Everything grows out of that. That's your business soul. Well, thank you. That was unexpectedly cool. (laughs) I like surprising people. I love it. Um, let's go back to your, um, when you were, you had your first business at 10, how, what, what's that about? So again, I grew up in a house where money was everything. So I knew I needed it. And I, I am lucky. I work with a lot of entrepreneurs who are afraid to charge for their services. Um, they feel embarrassed. I never had that 
ever. Like anytime I have an idea, I'm like, Ooh, how do we make people pay for this? Um, I've turned, I've had over like a dozen small businesses in my lifetime um, before this current one. And so my first one was at 10. I was selling, um, string bracelets, custom name bracelets. And um, the kind that you might get like in Santa Fe on the street, you know, like it says, you know, Josh, like in, um, in string wound around yeah. the little plastic thing. Yeah. So yeah. I made those. They were very, very popular um, when I was 10 years old and people were buying them and I'm like, could totally figure out how to make these. Might've even been a friend who taught me. And then, but here's where, where she and I differed. She taught me and she like sold them, I don't know, for like a dollar or whatever. And I created standardized, um, like uh, patterns that people could choose from that I knew I could do fast. I sold it for $2 because I felt that people would still pay it and why shouldn't I earn more money? I had order forms. I had, even though I had my parents paying for my supplies because I was like 10, I calculated my cost of goods sold. Mm. I, mean, I had no clue what I was doing, but in my head, I'm like, well, if my parents don't pay for it and I'm doing this because I want money, I need to make sure I'm making money. So how much string do I use for each bracelet and how much do I charge? And I was like, oh, I'm totally making a killing. It cost me like three cents and I was charging $2. I was like, so it's only my time. And then I was like, okay, but when I run out of time, so I'm going to need to train other people and start hiring people to make more bracelets. <laughs> like this was like, I had all, I made this entire little, um, I mean, I'm 10, right? It was so cute. It was like this advertising board and I put it in the local craft shop, right? Cause it's little, I'm, I'm like this little 10 year old. I come in, I'm like, hi, I buy all my string here. Can I put up a display of my little business? They're like, oh, you're so cute, sure. And it had like, you know, call me for me to take orders, like this whole thing. <laughs> so it was wow. a professional business at 10. There, there's so much, so much good in that. So you, did you wind up, you know, learning all of that because of the money was everything in your household? I don't know. It's such a good question. Like there was no YouTube. I think like who would I have become if there had been like internet when I was a kid? You, I have no idea. I would, I feel like I would have been one of those like kid millionaires. <laughs> like I totally, oh, wow. maybe, maybe, I don't know. Or maybe I just would have been a complete train wreck, you know, and like, you know, cutting my wrist because I watch videos on like musicality. I have no idea. Um, but I, I definitely feel like the fact that I felt money was so important pushed me to figure it out. But I feel like I was just born with some kind of innate business sense. And I don't, I don't think you have to be born with it. I do think some people are. Some people just get it and other people have to learn it. And I do feel blessed that I had, know I had no training. Like I know I was 10 and I found when I cleaned out my parents' house a couple of years ago, I found the original order forms. Oh, wow. Typewriter. Like yeah. it's not just in my memory. I have the papers. They're a little bit yellowed, but I have all the real stuff and the records. I kept wow. meticulous records of my sales. So I know that this was a real thing. Wow. So this brand of mine, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was developed, as we now have learned, um, out of my spending a lifetime behind fear and then eventually um, not and working all through that. Taking confident Esty here, can you tell us about a time when you were faced with fear and you knew you had to get right through that? For sure. So again, I'm very, very confident in my knowledge, in my ability to help, and in what I do. I, and I can't even say I'm 100% through this. I'll be transparent. Definitely struggle with the fear of not having money because 
of that same root. And, and there's no amount of money that makes it go away. That's what I learned from my first millionaire client. There's no amount of money that makes that fear go away. Cause I remember when I was sitting and I didn't even have 5k in my bank account. Now my rent is whatever. We're not even going to talk about it. Okay. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, if I just had like 50 K in my bank account, I'd feel good. I feel good. I'd feel secure. I'd feel like I got anything. And you know what? It hit 50. And I was like, I don't, I don't feel that much better. I don't feel that much better. And I, I really thought I would. And you know what? I'm like, but if it hit 500, I'll tell you, there is no amount of money that makes that fear go away. It's only in you. So you can be the most confident person in your abilities. I mean, some people struggle with that, right? My struggle is not that. Um, and again, I, I, I teach my client exercises, how to build confidence in their competence. Like there's a thing mm. to do that. The, the money fear, because it comes from such a deep place from such an old place is something I've been working on for years and 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 years. And I'll give you the best example of, uh, of it, uh, just a couple of months ago, right? So business has been going well, thank God. No complaints. Well, like I said, I had that kind of ceiling where I was looking at it as a salary and that's what I was earning from it. And a couple of months ago, my husband and I were both working full time. We've got five kids and life was absolutely insane. Business was taking off and getting bigger and better. And he was working and I was like that classic working mom, like doing carpools, making dinner because his job had him working later and I had the flex time for my job. And then I'm sitting every night working till two, three in the morning, like killing myself. And I love what I do. Absolutely love what I do. And he was not enjoying his job like I do. <laughs> and, um, and he really wanted to do other things, but I was terrified. Like we live in LA, we need two salaries, not one. <laughs> to live comfortably. And we were definitely relying on his in addition to mine. And uh, I was like, it's just killing both of us, right? He's miserable at the job. I'm killing myself physically um, because he's not able to be as present because he's working. If we, if he left his job and he was able to take over more at home, I could focus on the business, but I really wanted the business to get there first. I wanted the business to get to the place where it had two salaries and then I'd be like, okay, I got two salaries. Like you can leave and like, you know, try your dream thing and, and whatever. And, um, and it got to a point where I got very sick. Um, I like a quadruple infection. It was absolutely ridiculous. I got, I just got, I think from being so completely run down, my body just like died on me. Well, not, I'm still here, but you know what I mean? And uh, I was like, this is ridiculous. It's just fear. It's just fear. I sat down with my team and we used our own marketing strategies that we teach our clients. Mm. I said, I want to try to build a marketing strategy. Like we teach our clients, can we double our income? If I do this, that was the beginning of my genesis of like, why am I trying for one income? And once I started playing with, why am I trying, like try for two, I was like, but if I'm trying for two, I could just take it all the way and then do all those cool things. And we sat down and we built a strategy and I was like, okay, like this could work. I, I see it. I see how I could do this. And I gave my husband permission to leave his job without having the money to cover yes. it. Um, terrified is not the word. <laughs> definitely, definitely scared, pushing through the fear, saying, there's no reason I can't do this. And there's no reason, right, if I believe in God and it's, I'm not trying to rely on miracles, right? I'm not saying, hey, my tree's gonna suddenly grow real money and I'm gonna pluck it off. I'm saying like, listen, I know business. I have helped clients double and quadruple their business. Why can't, why am I not doing that for me? 
I'm looking at that and it, I mean, it worked. I, I'll say that <laughs> it's going well. Um, but yeah, what, that's definitely, that's a recent time. I can give you much more historical times, but that was, that was really close by. That was just this past year. What do you find that it really comes down to when, when you see, even for yourself or for your clients, when you just said um, people aren't breaking through or aren't reaching what they expect, want, or hope? So I, am, I live in my head, right? I'm such an intellectual. I definitely rely on my head a lot. There are a lot of people who rely on their heart. I kind of think that's a higher level, honestly. Again, when, they don't, when you don't bring the head in, you can end up kind of running amok. But for me, I live in my head. So what works for me and what works for a lot of my clients, and you might say, you know, like attracts like, that's why I get these clients, is, is showing them the pathway where they can intellectually understand how this can work instead of having to have, you know, just blind faith. Like for me, that was really the difference of, you know, I wasn't saying they're going, well, money will show up. I don't know how, I don't know what. And listen, I do think that's a higher level, right? Um, where, where you can trust in something because it's been trustworthy. Like, have I ever been homeless? No. Right. Have I ever not been able to afford food for my family? No. Should I be afraid of that? Logically? No. Was I? Totally. Okay. Totally. Um, to take on primary breadwinner in a city like LA is, I mean, some might just say it's stupidity, right? But if you can see the path, it's not as scary. And I, for me, that helps me push through. It helps my clients push through. It's why we build business expansion plans and marketing strategies to show you that pathway, again, both from a technical level and also from a, I don't even want to say spiritual because like people misunderstand it, but from that deeper level of creating that possibility for yourself. Mm. If, if you're looking back on a younger version of yourself, what piece of advice would you give that person? I would tell her she could relax because she's going to be awesome when she gets bigger. That's great. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Every little thing, even the littlest things. And, and you watch it come full circle sometimes years later, you know, it, it sometimes could take years for, for a connection, a relationship, a happening to click in place and make sense or, or become something manifest in your life, but no element is wasted. It doesn't mean you take advantage yeah. of every opportunity that comes your way. So you might feel like it was, but it just means either it didn't come yet, right? Life is long. I was like, people get so mad, right? Sinners prosper and, and you know, evil businessmen sit on piles of millions life is long guys you might not even be around long enough to watch it catch up but life is long mm. it's so true um today and you know i, I continue to uh, observe it get better with it refine it but i'm able to in every situation or any situation or circumstance when something quote unquote happens um, or doesn't happen and your initial reaction is oh i really want that to happen now I'm able to more quickly step aside and say, well, then, okay, there's something, what good can come of this? And you can train yourself to, to do that. And I've been, I'm saying, okay, well, that would be cool if that happened, but maybe because that's not going to happen. And then you can start seeing bigger and better that direction. 
Totally. For every opportunity that falls through, there's just another bigger one waiting. And a lot of times people grab the smaller ones, even when they, you know, they know they shouldn't. And it's coming from a fear place of, well, if I don't take this, I won't have. And it's, it's a lie because you create that for yourself. You're right. If you don't, if, if you do take it, that's all you'll have. You don't have space for something else and you're not creating the space or the readiness and willingness to get something bigger and better because you're so focused on the fear. It's such a big deal. Are you spiritual or religious today? Totally. And it's funny because I, I am Orthodox Jewish. So I am, I am a practicing religious person. Um, but for me, the whole focus is the spirituality. It's not about, it's not about the form and function. It's about how the form and function creates an internal connection to something greater. Hmm. What do you believe happens when it's all over? When our time here on earth comes to an end? I go to sit on a cloud with a harp. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you, you want a crazy story? Oh, if I do, Esty. I do. I wouldn't believe it. Okay. This it happened to me. Um, my mom passed about five and a half years ago from cancer. And I'll, I'll remind you, grew up in a house where money was more important than people. Yeah. My mom passed about five and a half years ago. And uh, I'd say like within, I think it was like a week or two after her death, for sure was within the month. I could go and log the date on, on my calendar if I wanted. I probably marked it down. I had a dream. She came to me in a dream. And, and it was like, it was just weird. And she, we were in my old house and it was in her clothing closet and her clothing closet in like a specific jacket in one of her jackets. It was, no, the dream was like in one of her jackets in that closet was money. And I woke up and I was like, that felt wacky real. <laughs> okay. Like mom came to me in a dream. There's money in a jacket pocket somewhere. Like she died before she could get it or something. So I was not, um, living in New York at the time. I called my brother who was living in New York, who still had access to my parents' house. And I'm like, listen, you I need to go to this closet. You need to go through all of mom's jacket pockets and you need, there's money in there. Just try, I'm telling you, I had a dream. I told him, I said, I had a dream. There's money in the pocket. You need to go and you need to check for me. And he's like, Esty, you're whacked out of your box. Okay. <laughs> my brother's like in Harvard law school. He's like totally not into this like spiritually, EBGB, like people talking to you in your dreams, kind of whatever. Right. Like humor me. I'm your big sister. I love you to pieces. Just go spend 10 minutes searching pockets. <laughs> he calls me up screaming. No. He found a roll of bills. He's like, Esty, there's thousands of dollars here. I don't know what this is. He's like, mom was hoarding money. I don't know what's going on. He's like, but it was just the wagon, that exact closet. And it wasn't specific. It was like one of the jacket pockets. Um, and that's exactly where he found it in one of the jacket pockets. There was and money. It, and it wasn't even like a $5 bill that. Oh that no, it was behind. thousands of dollars. It was thousands of dollars. There's more to the story. Um, should I tell you the whole end of it? It's really funny. No, please don't. Don't share okay. the ending. I won't share the ending. Go ahead. Okay, fine. Uh, you made me. So the ending of the story was um, we, we had laid out money for something. And, oh, no, I'll just, I'll tell you the whole, I'll, I'll tell it to you in order. Because sure. this, this is how I experienced it. I'll tell you how I experienced it. So he calls me screaming. And I'm like, okay, that is my money. Mom gave it to me in my dream. <laughs> okay, that is, that is totally mine. And he counted it and it was, it was, 
it was tens of thousands of dollars. I'm like, that is totally mine. Mom gave it to me in a dream. Tens and he's of like, thousands of dollars. Yeah. And I'm like, that is totally mine. Mom gave it to me in a dream. It's mine. Um, maybe I'll share it with you a little bit. And, and he's, he's like, like, I'm the lawyer here. I'll tell no, you what's actually, happening. No, actually, he's like, no, Esty, this is dad's money. Dad inherits all of mom's money. You can't have it. I'm like, no, I'm like, she came to me in a dream, not him. That is totally mine. She's probably hoarding it from him. That is totally my money. We start fighting. And, and before we even have a chance, he's like, no, I got to go to dad. I got to tell him that I found the money. And then he's going to, I'm like, no, he'll never let me have it. You can't do that. That is my money. And basically, and again, this is how the story came to me. That was at night. The next morning at like six in the morning, I get a call my brother he's like sd i'm sorry i'm like what did you do he said you don't understand he said i was sleeping he decided to stay at my parents house that night i don't think he was living there at the time and he stayed over he was able to go back and forth he's like dad came banging on my door he's like did you take money out of one of mom's jacket pockets my brother's like oh my god (laughs) what is with the ghost my dad had put it there it was money that he was supposed to send me for money that we had laid out for something that he wasn't giving me. I wasn't getting. And, uh, and uh, my, uh, my brother's like, yes. He's like, how did you know there was money in there? He's like, Esty had a dream that mom came to her and told her there's money in one of her jacket pockets. Now I have to tell you, I grew up in a house where money is more important than people. My dad was the one with the purse strings that were held tightly closed. Okay. I cannot imagine anything more scary than his dead wife coming to his children in a dream, telling them where all his money is hiding. (laughs) Oh my goodness. I was dying. Like you don't have to apologize. There's absolutely nothing better than that. Wow. Um, my dad was so creeped out. I got the money. Wow. So what do you think happens when it's all over? I think that there is a part of us that lives on that can come communicate with other loved ones. If it needs to, for sure, close after death, the whole, the soul hovers. Um, but everybody knows that there's more to them than their body, right? That's obvious. Okay. And, uh, right. Like I, I, I'm going to take that as a given, right? Cause there is, they can, they can figure out how to grow bodies. They cannot make them live. <laughs> okay, that, that life force, that's the soul. The thing that, that makes you you, the thing that makes you unique. It is the thing that is you, whether you have a body or not, that thing lives on in some capacity. It's a capacity that we cannot fully understand, right? It's a representation. So um, a great example I once heard is if you would think about videotape, yeah, but back back in the day when we had videotapes. Right, my right? kids will never know. Yeah, totally, mine either. Yeah. And there's like, I think it's electromagnetic encoding. Yeah, magnetic strip. So you, um, the encoding on the videotape, it doesn't look like anything, but what's in that when you plug it in, it's sights, it's sound, it's people, it's movement. Mm. So the soul is that encoding. It materializes in this world as a physical body, but it's, just, it's an encoding. When it's not in this physical world, when the body dies, that encoding is still a thing. So even when the, the, v, the video is not plugged into the VCR and it's not playing. It exists. It exists in a, in a different capacity, which is represented in the capacity we're here now, mm. but there is still an entity. But again, when you look at a movie, you cannot at all translate it to a videotape. It's that much of a difference. 
So it's hard, I think, for us as the video, as the video playing to comprehend what it means that we're just a magnetic encoding, right? We're energy, we're source energy. Yeah. So I, to me, that's, that's what happens. We go back to source. I really like that example, that visual, because it makes it so easily relatable, like a, a VCR, VHS tape, where it's the body and the soul and that makes it. And when you put it in and you watch it, now you're experiencing it. And when you're not watching it, it still exists, right? But totally. it's how you interpret it when you're observing it versus not. Now, that also carries over into the definition of quantum physics, right? We're inching towards Which I've that. I've been studying a lot recently. I, yeah. I could tell. That's, that's what we're uh, inching towards. Yeah, I've been playing a lot with quantum physics and Taurus and a whole bunch of other cool things. Yeah. Definitely, definitely been hanging out with that crowd as well. I, and <laughs> thus, this part of the conversation makes perfect sense. Yeah. And again, to me, I don't see, like some people go like, oh, but you can't mix religion and quantum physics. You can't mix religion and science. And honestly, I don't see why not. I don't see any discrepancies, not even one. And I'm pretty well versed. I have been teaching religion for well over 15 years. Um, I'm very well versed in, specifically in Judaism. I've, I've studied a lot of different theologies, but I am Jewish. I've definitely spent the most time on that one. I, I have not found problems. I honestly haven't. I have found actually only synergies and deeper levels of understanding. Hmm. Really, really cool. I will leave you with this final question. Esty Rand, how would you like to be remembered? <sighs> so... I would like to be remembered as someone who not only brought light to the world, but helped others shine their unique light in the world. Done. Wow. Whew. Like Joseph said, watching the live broadcast, this has been a good one. He writes, hashtag watch the replay. How cool is that? I totally that agree. Cool. Yeah, I feel like we could talk on and on and on, and uh, perhaps one day soon we will. Uh, but for now, Esty, wow, thank you for showing up, for opening up, and for sharing everything that's going on inside the head there with us. Really appreciate it. You are so welcome. Pleasure. And can I offer a free gift to your listeners? Why wouldn't you? That was my next step. Please go. Tell us what's up. <laughs> Because I like giving out free stuff. I told you I'm a content marketer. So I like opening the realms of possibility for people. I told you I started my business from a place of hating watching people spending money on marketing and wasting it and not even go anywhere. So I created a guide. It's 164 promotional strategies, different ways you can get your audience's attention. We break it down into seven categories, so it's not so overwhelming. But what it does is it gives you a brainstorming guide of so many different ways to get business basically, and promote. So if you go to sdran.com backslash, what is it? Free gift. That's what we have as the link. sdran.com slash free gift. You can have it for free. I appreciate that. And we'll certainly link to that in the description and the show notes here. Really cool. Really, really appreciate you. Thanks again for joining us so much, so much uh, love for you and all you do. Really exciting to meet you like this. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. I don't usually like go so deep. That was cool.
<laughs> I'm glad. And I'm certainly glad everybody tuning into the live broadcast in the Facebook group, or if you're watching or listening to the podcast replay, such a pleasure to have you in, in the circle, as they say. Look for another episode not too far behind. We're going to do it again real soon. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.